Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 298 from March 7th, 2016. On today's show, we're talking about apartment-friendly finishes, using a rabbit block plane, sawing up some old logs, and our featured topic today, how many projects we've made in our own homes. All that and more coming up, but first, let's thank a few donors, Keith Bergmoser and uh, Carlos Coronel. Yeah, those guys. Thank you so much, fellas, for helping us out with donations. Uh, you can do that, too, if you want to. Go to woodtalkshow.com, look over for the donation links on the right-hand column, and uh, you could do a small one-time donation or a recurring donation, whatever you like. Every little bit helps out, and we appreciate the support. Uh, that's all at woodtalkshow.com. And as also, you know, the entire archive of shows that we've been doing for years now. You can catch them all there. And uh, show notes weren't so good in the beginning. Got to admit, they weren't great at all. They're still not great. <laughs> but the shows are there if you want to listen to them. But I'm not making any promises, uh, but we do the best we can. All right, so let's move right into what's on the bench. For me, not a whole lot. Hasn't been a woodworking week, focusing on uh, office stuff and uh, kids still trying to get rid of the the goop that's been uh, going, be- you know, from one kid to the next to the wife, then back to the other kid. Is uh, that what you call your daughter now? Yes, the, <laughs> the little mean, goop, man. That's really mean. Ava, the little goop, and uh, she does get a little goopy sometimes. Um, so yeah, not a whole lot of woodworking, uh, editing. I'm uh, editing uh, Matt's footage. Actually, is what <laughs> what I've been doing lately. Uh, thankfully, there's not a whole lot to do. Um, the one thing I will mention, totally unrelated to any of this, is on my YouTube channel, I've been noticing a lot of new spam coming from this Woodpre website. So it's basically the comments are very innocuous. There's like yes, really not much yes. to them, but like, oh, I could build this from using Woodpre plans. And it's W-O-O-D-P-R-I-X. Uh, yeah. But I, pr- I prefer to pronounce it Woodpricks because <laughs> it's, that's kind of how I feel had, about uh, I deleted them this morning. Quite a few submissions to the Wood Talk question form from the Wood, the uh, wood Pre people. Okay, well, oh, now this is a reskin Ted's Woodworking. Yeah. So you dig in a little bit and you see just, just below that dirty little, dirty, greasy, oily surface is a, uh, a Ted's Woodworking website. So if you're not familiar, this is the scam website for 16,000 plans, which uh, sounds too good to be true, and it is. And uh, yeah, so if anyone has a YouTube channel, be sure to blacklist. I didn't even realize there was a comment blacklist feature in YouTube that you could add words. And if they they catch something that is close to it or that exact match, they will hold the comment for review. So it never actually sees the light of day. Then you could just delete it, Um, which is kind of nice because I'm getting like 10 to 20 of these a day on my channel and it's getting to be out of control and I'm getting tired of it. So the blacklist is real helpful. But again, whether you're a channel owner who needs to spam, mark these as spam or someone who goes to YouTube channels and reads the comments, don't give this any attention at all. Like if you can flag the comment or something like that, do that report the the user um, just to try and squash this new method. Cause there's no links, right? It's just a comment, you know, so it doesn't set off any initial alarms. There's no um, automatic triggers that that pick up on it. So we have to set them up and we've got to police this uh, before this new method gets out of control because it's already pretty bad. Ugh. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, it's so annoying. Yeah. It, it, it's like a uh, it's like, I don't know, just a little bug that will not die. Like no matter how many times you hit it with a fly <laughs> swatter, it's not going to go away because too be many cockroach, too many people must be buying this crap. You know, that's the thing that makes me sad is enough people are purchasing it to make it worthwhile for them to continue doing this. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, So anyway, that's all that's going on with me. What about you, Matt? I'm making baseboards. Spent a couple hours over the weekend making baseboards for the room that I did the wood flooring in. So I'm finally uh, getting around to that. Nice. Which is interesting because my shop is not really, I don't do long stuff very often or (laughs) ever. (laughs) 
So um, these are like 10 foot boards. Yeah, I don't have room it. for these things anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. So I ended up, instead of ripping all these uh, baseboards to width, I ran them vertically through the planer to plane them to width, hmm. which uh, worked pretty well, actually. Very nice. I got to <laughs> applaud you for the effort. Uh, when it comes to molding and baseboards, I don't know that I'd want to make it myself. I think I might just get lazy. I'm so cheap. <laughs> I'm so like we priced it out originally. It was like six dollars a foot for this stuff. Oh wow! I'm like, well, I can just grab a board out of my pile that I would have sold, and yeah, that know. that'll change your mind. That's you know. that's really expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you going with a what? Are you going with a stain grade, or are you painting these moldings? Stain grade, cherry. Okay, yeah. Well, then it gets real expensive real fast. Yes. I know, yeah, yeah. If if you're gonna paint them, just go to the you know. Oh, yeah. the, the big box store because there's only so much variation in the profile. Let me rephrase that. There's only so much variation that anyone will notice in the profile <laughs> right. to a baseboard. You know, totally. crown might be a little bit different, but baseboard, nobody pays attention to that. Yeah. Good point. Well, that's nice. cool, man. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Forward to it. Well, I am. Um, it, it's, it's had a couple of days where it's actually gotten a little bit warmer here. And uh, I just had uh, part of the back of my house, um, totally redone and, and not really renovated, but we had a, a leakage problem. We had it all fixed up and made look nice and put down some EPA decking to cover it up. So now I'm thinking about actually redoing my entire back deck, which has me contemplating outdoor furniture. Hmm. Um, the The whole back of the house while that construction was going on was pretty much unusable. And, and we're talking like about six months during the summer months where we really couldn't use the back door. So the backyard didn't get used very much. We would like sit out on the front porch if we wanted to sit out and, and whittle or I don't know. Yell at the neighbor's like, kids. Yeah. Get out my lawn. lawn. So now we've, it's like we've, we got the backyard back. It's like, oh, cool. And it's starting to get warm. We're starting to think about it. And I go on Facebook and there's all these people posting pictures of this uh, Adirondack chair that somebody built <laughs> looks all green and green like. And I'm like, I know that Dang one. Dang it. I want to build that. It's so, a good one. You know, it, it's weird because I've made so many Adirondack chairs and you don't really, you know, you make them in pairs generally because, mm -hmm. you know, what fun is it to sit by yourself? Um, so I made so many Adirondack chairs that it's just like, I don't want to make another Adirondack chair. But that design you came up with, Mark, is just so cool. And I've Thank got you. lumber already that would work for it. So I don't know. It's the last thing I need is another unscheduled project, but I'm, right. I'm really kind of contemplating what else I'd like to have kind of in my little backyard oasis. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There's going to be some outdoor projects coming soon enough. It's basically my way of saying I wasn't able to get into the shop to do anything. So I've just sat around <laughs> contemplating what I want to build. <laughs> nice. Well, I'll tell you that that chair doesn't feel like you're building an Adirondack chair when you're making it. Cause it's definitely more detail to it and more specifics than you would find in your, your typical Adirondack chair design. So it's, you know, it's gratifying in that sense. It's also very, I'd be very curious because you've got a lot of uh, shaping to do on that. That for me was like, oh, this is no big deal because we have one pattern that we use repeatedly throughout this thing to create cloud lifts over and over and over. Um, right. So I'd be curious to see your approach to doing that. If you're not going to use a router and a flush trim bit, which is what makes it easy. And I'm wondering how much more of a pain in the butt that's going to be for you to, to not go that route. Sawing very close to the line. <laughs> Coming back with a spoke shave little, and being little done. cleanup work to be done. Yeah. And, and, and bevel back everything on the bottom side and just leave it rough sawn. There you go. <laughs> you know, can't see it. Leave it. Yeah. That'll do the trick. Cool. All right. Let's move into what's new. Matt, you want to kick that off for us? Absolutely. A week or so ago, I commented on Matt's new chainsaw video and mentioned he should make a Matt Miser sawmill. <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> 
But I found a cool example for you. The guy has the video has a, the video has a guy who's built, built a portable sawmill and he goes into the issues and mistakes he has made building it. And I thought it could be useful in getting you started, Matt. I've seen this one. This is by Pastor B. Coy. Is that what it was? Sounds like a rapper. Yeah, Pastor B. Coy. So this is his like look back kind of afterthoughts video. Very good. Like this is what I did, things I would do differently. And if you go back on his channel as well, he has a whole like series of um, videos on building the actual mill itself too. So anyone's looking at building a portable bandsaw mill, this is a pretty good resource. I mean, each of the videos in this series has like a quarter million views. So, wow. you know, it's doing something right. Cool. He must be rapping the whole time. He's speaking of rhymes. Yo, 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 what miser, yo. Don't, don't even bring that up because now somebody's going to do that on YouTube and I'm going to have to find him. And <laughs> I can't wait to see it. I'm going to borrow Matt's chainsaw just so that, you know, I'm not going to tell you, you need deniability, Matt. But, yeah. Nice. Right. Uh, this uh, next video was actually shared uh, on our Facebook page. It came in through the, the form uh, response and I think I got it on my own Facebook page, all kinds of stuff. But um, if you guys remember John Neiman tools, he's done a couple of cool, like, I don't know, artsy fartsy type videos. Uh, he makes like axes and knives and cool stuff. Well, he also puts his money where his mouth is and he built uh, a wooden home for himself and his family. And the more than anything, I mean, this is like a, it's, it's 24 minute long video. It's basically the, the length of a sitcom without commercials. And, um, it's awesome. Like I, I admire just the, not only the patience and the skill to build the home, Mm -hmm. but the patience to actually film it all. Because this like got built, I think over a couple of years. Um, And to like hang on to all this footage and like edit it all together is just crazy. But it's um, daunting. It's just, it's just awesome. It's a beautiful house. He even goes into great detail in, in the, the Shishugiban technique, the Japanese technique for preserving wood where you torch it and then, uh, brush it down and then oil it. Oh, it's, it's just awesome. It's a, it's a captivating video to to watch. So definitely go check that out. I wonder how many annoying comments he's going to get about how much money he spent building it. <laughs> I, all I did was build a shop and I cannot tell you, I can tell you actually how many bad comments <laughs> that I get and annoying comments. I had to delete one today that said, uh, uh, is that was that with your father's money or your father-in-law's money? <laughs> like, what well, are you talking I don't know. about? I can, I can see him getting comments about, man, you could have done that faster this way. But considering like it starts with him in the woods felling trees. Yeah. He didn't really spend any money on this. I don't know. He has those fancy tools. Have you seen how much those tools cost? I could build that house too if I had a $10,000 shop. That's a good one too. <laughs> That's not, I'm, I'm being very bitter today. But uh, I'm, it's good I'm, stuff. I'm picking that up. I'm, I'm that. <laughs> I, will, uh, I will go check it out because that is very cool. I have a lot of respect for folks who could do stuff like that. Uh, all right. Next one here is from Chris. And this is one that also made its rounds. This is one that like, I feel like I need to put out a, a sort of family announcement to everyone in my family that by the time you share a woodworking related thing on my Facebook page, I've probably seen it about 3000 times. Uh, by the time something gets into the mainstream, like we've all seen it. Um, so this one is one that's showing up everywhere. Uh, this is the marble machine that makes music. And I have a little clip here if you want to hear it. Now, I don't know how doctored this is. I mean, the whole thing is mic'd up and it's very nicely filmed. So I don't know how much audio cleanup they needed to do, but uh, you'll get get an earful here. (laughs) 
Now it goes on from there and gets incredibly complex. It's just this giant music machine and the guy actually is playing as he's doing it. It's not just, he's winding the crank, which is what's kind of creating the backbeat there. And the little marbles are falling and making the, the, the melody. And then he actually plays a bass line and he like gets into the whole thing. So it's operated by a musician. Like if I did this, it wouldn't go very far. I can only do so much with it. Like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> does, does anybody Turn else just feel like they need to have Gene Wilder like operating it and singing? Yeah, in his, with, in his Willy Wonka outfit, and, and just soap think. soap bubbles coming out of the top of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it is an amazing machine. You got to check it out. It's definitely worth uh, taking a look at. A musical instrument using two thousand marbles. It says, um, very cool stuff. I could do that too if I had two thousand marbles. Right? Who has two thousand marbles laying around? Jeez, you must Such an unrealistic video. money for those two thousand marbles. Let's leave a comment. We should definitely do that because I know he wants to hear from us. Right. All right, let's move into our kickback. Uh, first one here is from Eric. It's a voicemail kickback concerning his daughter's experience with Wood Talk. Hey, why isn't it playing? Hold on. Hold on. I got to. You have to crank the. I think I got a machine. Yeah, where's my crank? Playing. Hold on. I think I got a dorked up file here. What's going on? Here it is. Hey guys, this is Eric from Gilbert. I have a couple of quick things. Some feedback on 297. Um, just for starting out, uh, somebody had mentioned uh, that they use WoodTalk as uh, a way to get their daughter moving. I have a daughter who just turned five, and it's almost quite the opposite. Um, she's been listening to WoodTalk off and on with me for a number of years now, and when I watch the uh, Wood Whisper uh, Guild DVDs that I have, uh, she always asks, where's Matt and Shannon? <laughs> and um, another thing, uh, not too long ago, I was in the shop, and she came out to see what I was doing, and said, Daddy, when I get a little bit older, will you teach me how to make a chair? So that's going to be a new project, and one of the most exciting um uh, you know, things that we've ever talked about. Very, very fun and exciting. And uh, that's really it. I just, you know, kids in the workshop and kids in Wood Talk. And uh, thanks, guys, for all that you do and keeping it uh, family friendly. Bye. Well, thanks for that, Eric. And I apologize for that one time. I did not keep it family friendly when I screwed up that edit. <laughs> Dropped a little sweet F-bomb there. Hopefully uh, your little girl didn't have to hear that. Uh, but yeah, we appreciate that. At least uh, we know that Wood Talk is not just a sedative. It, it can do other things as well, <clears throat> which is nice. But I'll tell you, it's, it's really nothing better than when one of your kids shows interest in uh, learning something in the shop. It's It's pretty cool. All right, next one here we have is from Joe. He has a quick question. He says, when does the new Mac get a bio? All that white space next to his picture is just sad. Well, <laughs> well, here's what happened. I asked for it, and then the you know reality is we had this guild project to produce, so I think Matt's focused on getting the sofa table out, and small things like his bio just kind of went on the back burner. So <laughs> I think as soon as Matt has some time to breathe, he'll he'll get me those couple of sentences that will let people know who he is. I wrote one, but I'm still not there is like, if it's good enough for wood talk. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you have to wait till you accomplish more. You know, it's, it's just... That's actually the problem I had. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is set so high. I mean, seriously, you have very big shoes to fill. Uh, but yeah, it's just, honestly, we haven't really thought about it. So uh, maybe we'll knock it out this week and just get it over with. Yeah, I will. I'll get that too. <laughs> Slacker. Well, it's like you say, we, like, like you're going to do anything. Like, I'm going to copy and paste, paste whatever it. you send me <laughs> and then it'll be done. That's a lot of work. It's going to take all of like 15 seconds. Oh man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Okay. Well, last I think it was the last episode or a couple episodes we um we talked about the mortisers for your drill press and how they're stupid. Yeah. Um, well, Tommaso <laughs> wrote in just because I like to say Tommaso. Um, let's not be too hasty to badmouth the drill attachment mortises. They do have their uses. While I do have a benchtop mort- mortising, well, that while I do have a benchtop model. I recently had to break out the old drill attachment one. The stupid legs on stupid Mark's stupid Rubo stupid. were too thick for the stupid bench top model. <laughs> but the drill one, just drop the deck and you're ready to go. So even crap can be useful. That's okay. why they make risers for those bench top ones. Yes. Yeah. That's why they make a brace and bit, Tommaso. Oh. Yes. That's why they make uh, manure. Because crap, <laughs> crap can be useful. <laughs> Just taking it literally. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but it brings up a good point. I mean, there's sometimes you just, you know, for, for certain situations, not useful, but in another situation, you go, boom, this is perfect. And you're glad you uh, have that thing sitting around. It's true. All right. Yeah. Good. Next one here is from Will. It says, with regard to finishing A and B sides of a panel, unless the panel is some kind of standalone piece, though I can't think of something like that offhand, there's always some part, uh, there's always some point of attachment where you could drive a small screw and the hole will be concealed during assembly. For example, a tabletop, after drilling for the screws that hold the buttons used to attach the tabletop to the apron, I leave a few screws in the holes without their buttons. That's actually a good idea. These provide built-in support during finishing. Do the underside and flip it over onto the top. Buttons stay untouched when you flip it over and there's no par- painter's pyramids needed. That's a decent. I like that one. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. It's pretty one. clever. And I, do you guys have any reservations about that? Is it maybe just a little mental block that you don't want a screw hole, even if it's not seen and it's on the underside, is there a little something that goes like, I don't, I don't want to put a screw hole in this thing. Well, I mean, of course, in his particular instance, the screw holes are there anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, right. So because for no, the I'd have no reservation there. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess if, if there wasn't already like, for instance, say you're doing the bottom of the table and you could put screws into the underside of the, the feet, right? Mm, yeah. Cause those are probably going to get like a felt pad or something on them anyway. But to me, it's like, well, I still have to like screw that in or I have those painters pyramids already. So I could just set them on the pyramids and be good to go. Right. I, I don't know. Um, yep. I think if you don't have the painters pyramids already, I wouldn't hesitate to do something like that the one time i actually drill holes and things is when i do legs so i drill a hole in the top of the leg and then hang like an eye hook or some kind of hook on the top of it even a screw mm-hmm. so that i can hang it from the ceiling and finish all four sides in one shot just yeah, hanging there that's smart that's the only time I really it's uh, crossed my mind to drill a hole in something right i've seen people do that right. when they have like euro hinges you know where you have to drill the cup for the hinge oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I've seen that as a, cause you can just put them on a clothesline and literally just spray and slide it down the clothesline. That's always a good way. Yeah, that's perfect. Nice. Cool. Good, good thinking more of this stuff, more please. It's yeah. kind of a common yeah. sense. Like, duh, why didn't, why didn't we think of that t- type of thing? Cool. All right. Next one here is from Brian. He says, uh, I have shipped furniture. I guess this is in regards to our discussion about uh, shipping things across the country in different climates. I've shipped furniture to 28 states coast to coast and have never had a problem with wood movement. Knock on wood. I even had a dresser that I built that now lives in Scotland. If you follow the common sense rules of wood movement, you will be fine. Now, what happens in transit is another story. (laughs) There's a 99% chance that it will be damaged in shipping. Even if you mark on the outside of the crate, handle with care contains cute, cuddly bunnies. It will arrive looking as if the carrier hates kittens. Uh, Always ship it insured. I've I've shipped a couple things, and I'd say about 50% of that which I shipped 
had been damaged. And part of it is, you know, me not uh, packaging it properly or crating it, but to, to do it properly, you have to put almost as much time into building the crate and securing the, the furniture within the crate as you do building the furniture itself. Uh, so I swore that off pretty quickly. <laughs> we actually have a team at the lumber yard who specializes in building crates for shipping. Oh, I believe it. You know, in, in, I mean, obviously we're not doing this for roughs on lumber, but for like moldings and stuff, like the stuff that Matt is running. In I was wondering, shop. I was like, what are you shipping in crates? That need to be right. You know, and this is, this is not like stuff that, you know, they're, they're just flat stacked together and usually nested together. But even then we've got to like go to extra links to build a special crate. So things don't shift around because I mean, it's crazy. They just, forklifts gouge into them and like dump them off stuff. Oh, it's nuts. Well, we get people complaining all the time. You see pictures online of damage that's been done to tools they've ordered, uh, from right. a wayward, you know, forklift just, uh, going in the wrong spot and the, the packaging wasn't able to sustain the damage. So uh, right. imagine what it can do to wooden furniture. All I'd rather right. not. No, it's nasty, nasty stuff. All right. So let's, uh, let's take a quick word here from our sponsor, Harry's. We talk about them all the time. We love these guys. Uh, Shannon is the most, uh, familiar with them because he's <laughs> not the, one the hairiest shows. he's definitely not the hairiest of the bunch but uh yeah. he's the one who uses the product the most so um you had well, a little thing you wanted you know, to say what what more can we say other than the fact that i still use them yeah like it's it how volumes. long have they been a sponsor now i mean on and off for a while but i'm still like a loyal user and the proof was in the pudding the other day because just my own fault i didn't i forgot to reorder razors so I ran out and of course I, I had some just kicking around like in my little, like the little dock kit thing that I take when I travel places. So I scrounged from there some other brand Ugh. and uh, I had some serious razor rash and my wife is just like, what, what happened to your neck? I'm like, I don't know. I like, oh my God, that's right. That's like from where I was shaving. Were so you my with another woman? Harry's razor Sorry. showed up and after like two days it was gone. So, you know, you be the judge. I think Harry's razors are magic. Yeah. You know, and I was walking through, uh, I think we're in Walmart or something recently. Uh, and I went through the razor aisle and I'm looking at those prices. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, because th- I think the last time I shaved on a regular basis was like, I don't know, in college or high school. And that's when like everything was just like either single or maybe like you got the double razor. Right. And now right. everything has like 14 razors in them <laughs> and the prices are just insane and everything's behind lock and key. And it's very difficult. It's like you're buying some, I don't know, something from the, the sex, the sexy something counter to make, to make math with. Yes, that or that sexy counter or Sudafed, one or the other. Um, but either way, it's like this big pain in the butt to buy this stuff. And I'm like, man, uh, if I did shave every day, you know what I do? I would just buy my stuff from Harry's because that's the way to do it. Uh, Harry's is the only shaving company that has both amazing quality and low prices. They feature German engineered five blade cartridges that produce a close, comfortable shave, no cuts or burns. Quality is guaranteed and they'll give you a full refund if you're not happy. They cut out the middleman so you can take advantage of the factory direct prices about half the price of the competition and everything is shipped right to your door over 1 million guys have already made the switch and thousands more switch every day why pay $32 for an 8 pack of blades when you can get them for half that price at harrys.com the harry starter set is an amazing deal for just $15 you can get a razor moisturizing shave cream and 3 razor blades now harry's doesn't like to discount because their prices are already really low but we've worked out a special offer for you guys harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code woodtalk that's all one word uh, stop overpaying for a great shave go to harry's.com right now that's h a r r y s.com enter the code woodtalk at checkout uh oh excuse me uh, and that's really the end of the ad. So, 
That, <laughs> just, that was a little punctuation. On it, it. That just that was not intentional. It's just, uh, you know, I was out of breath. Time to burp. Got to do what you got to do. Uh, thanks so much, Harry's. We appreciate it. Uh, the ongoing support is great. And uh, you keep Shannon looking sweet. And even if you don't shave every day, you can buy one to shave your uh, little Matt Cremona uh, flat flat mat sticker. <laughs> your flat sure. mat sticker. Yeah. It seems like everybody in the internet has one now. I have one. Uh, you They're know, so it, sharp you can shave the sticker. Well, and the oh, thing yeah. is, I I do shave like periodically, and that's I just keep it in the drawer. I still have my shave cream and my uh, razor blade, and that's what I use when I do shave. It's just something I don't uh, I don't do every day, but it's nice to have it when it's there because it's ready to roll. All right, let's move into our feature topic today. This came in from Richard. He had a question we thought would be a good thing for the three of us to discuss quickly. He says, hi, guys, you are all prolific woodworkers. So how much of the furniture in your homes have you built? I'd be interested to know what proportion of your furniture is your own work, what kind of pieces you've made for the home, any sets that you've built or that you're working on, uh, things you would like to add to the home collection, as well as whether there are any pieces in the house that you or your wives, perhaps, wish you hadn't made. Thanks, Richard. So great question. Uh, so we'll kind of go in a, a round robin sort of fashion here. I counted mine and I get, I mean, going through each of these individually and naming what they are is going to be tedious. Um, but I do have my total counts. I walked around with a little clipboard and counted. I've got, uh, 23 pieces. Now these are not accessories, nothing hanging on the wall. There's no decorations included in this count. No little boxes, uh, purely furniture items, meaning like tables, chairs, desks, stools, like stuff along those lines. So my count is 23. Uh, Shannon, what do you got? ballpark if you didn't count <clears throat> one two three <laughs> or four, count right now i mean if you want five, us to so wait till you're done 11 i think okay i think not including the built-ins that doesn't count right no i, th- I would say the built-ins definitely count all right 13 okay. Ooh, 13 there you go <laughs> nice. lucky, lucky number what about you matt i'm at 11 you guys are lightweights man. sweet nice. as long yeah. as i beat matt that's what have you been right. doing all these years <laughs> Giving everything away as gifts. Yeah, that too. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, that's the one thing I, I told Nicole. I'm like, you know, my mom constantly complains that I don't build or anything. Or like she she never gets the primary build. She gets the cast offs. Like if I make something <laughs> better or a new version, she gets the old one. And I'm like, every time I go in your house, I'm surrounded by my furniture that I've made. Like you have <laughs> right. way more here than you think you have. So I want to go over there and, and see how many pieces are sitting in her house. Yeah. See, I like 18th century furniture, but it doesn't work in my house. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work at all. Right. So I build it and it gets given to somebody or go to a charitable auction or something like that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so anything on your must list, like things in the near future that you're going to try to work into your either, you know, your, your website or show or whatever you're doing. Um, for me, I've got to get some dining room chairs done because now I've got the dining table and it looks a little weird with the the dark red chairs from the old dining set. And if, if I want to give the old table to a family member, which is in the plans, they have no chairs. So I need to get these chairs done so that the other person gets the chairs and can make use of the old table. Uh, so for me, dining room chairs are big on the list. And entertainment centers, for some reason, although I have built one, that's one of the things that my mom's, by the way, is the uh, low entertainment center. Oh, really? years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's not even here. Uh, but, you know, I don't build her anything. Um, so my living room entertainment center, uh, we have an entertainment center in the bedroom because we're, you know, people that watch TV in the bedroom. And we have a media thing for, I've got a, a home theater room. I'm, I don't know if anybody knows this, but I'm kind of a home theater nut. And I've got a media cabinet in there that I just, you know, I cheaped out. I went to Target and I just got something to get the job done because I didn't have enough time. And it works, but I'd like to make something custom fit for the space and for the application. So those are the things on my uh, high on my list for uh, for building for the house. Uh, Shannon, what about you? Um, 
I need to build uh, a dresser, like in the traditional sense, like the side-by-side type thing. Oh, yeah. about whatever it is, 36 inches with two banks of drawers. Mm-hmm. Same thing uh, you've got, Mark. I've got one now, but I, I bought it at Target or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't right. remember. Might have been Walmart. Who knows? Um, and it's, you know, it's been there as long as we've been married and it's fine. It's just cheap, you know, laminate stuff. Um, but, uh, I put built-ins in our master bedroom. Um, and it looks so much nicer to have that, that that dresser looks that much worse. Right. Yeah. It becomes an eyesore. Definitely. Definitely got to build that. And actually, uh, I need to build a coffee table. Um, we got a coffee table as a wedding gift 17 years ago and, um, (laughs) it was like a pottery barn or something like that. Somebody gave us on our registry and it is like the ricketiest thing. And like the heart, the, the plywood that the top was made out of has like started to bubble and everything. It's just terrible. Nice. So, uh, I got to build a coffee table. I'm actually really looking forward to that one because that's a fun one because that there are, I don't know, other than maybe a kitchen dining room table or something how many pieces of furniture do you interact with that closely on a daily basis and and it's one of those things that like it can be totally different than anything else in the room yeah like Mm -hmm. you can make it like a a centerpiece so i i have no idea what i'm gonna build yet i know like heather wants a like a squarish one like a big square rather than a skinny rectangle yeah so it's gonna be large ish but uh, as far as the style or features or anything the sky's the limit so i'm kind of looking forward to that nice what about you matt anything on the the must build list i have so many things on that list it's ridiculous <laughs> start <laughs> that list doesn't ever get smaller i feel like <laughs> nope it doesn't <laughs> so for sure up next I, I need to build a a outdoor dining table a big farmhouse table for out on our patio Oh, I need to do that too. Up oh, 24. I forgot about go. mine. <laughs> Whatever, so show got, off. <laughs> I've got that to do. Oh, the Adirondack chairs. Crap, 26. Sorry. Oh, I forgot about those. Oh. I got to those count, 13. right? Okay, yeah, all of our like, numbers. I got four of those, so. <laughs> 17. There we go. Okay, revised numbers. <laughs> do mine count if I still don't have plugs in them yet? Uh, yes, it does. Does, does my bungee lathe in the backyard count? <laughs> That's no. 18. No, no, that one doesn't. You cannot Damn. have that one. Damn. <laughs> All right, so what else, Matt? Oh, um, let's see. I need a, a desk still. Mm-hmm. I have some slabs for that already. I'm planning on doing a cherry uh, one live edge desk. So I guess mm. the front edge would be live. And I've got some cool slabs for that. Some like um, some like ant damage slabs. I have like a bunch of ant tracks in them. So Ooh. that's going to be pretty cool. Nice. A little epoxy fill for that. And I got to build a coffee table as well. My wife's always wanted a slab top table live edge thingy. So the first tree I ever cut up with my chainsaw mill, I've had that here for a few years. It's ready to go. So I'm going to do a table out of that and, you know, all the other fun stuff. My wife wants a pair of high boys as well. I don't know when when that's ever going to happen, but, you know. (laughs) Someday. A pair of high boys. Yeah, a pair. Because sometimes one just isn't enough. She saw it at at a mansion that we would tour at some point somewhere. And there were two of them in the room. And it was like, you know, symmetry and, you know. It looked cool. The famous last words of any any man. She saw it in a mansion. <laughs> right. <laughs> now you know you're in deep. <laughs> like, what do you do with that? Uh, cool. Um, how, all right. How long have you guys been married? Can't be that long if she still expects you to do stuff like that. Over four years now. Yeah. That's They're just on an upward phase. It's still, yeah, she hasn't you know. she hasn't become the jaded woodworker's wife yet. <laughs> she has she gotten to the point that she just goes out and buys something because she's sick of asking for it because that's yes. coming. That happens uh, okay, occasionally, good. yes. Good deal. Uh, all right. So anything else that, uh, let's see, things that you will never build. 
for your house. Because as I was walking around, uh, one of my goals is to replace as much, you know, if not all the furniture that I can with things that I've built. But as I look around, I'm like, you know, there are just some things, there's no way I want to build those things for for certain reasons. So for me, uh, baby furniture, and Matt, I think you and I probably differ, we differ on those, uh, on that opinion. But um, I don't want to build baby furniture because it's such a temporary thing. And most uh, most furniture I find, I don't know, a lot of kids, they want to get into their furniture. They want to, like, if you want to get them excited about their rooms, excuse me, as they get older, they transition to different types of furniture. I feel like anything I build now is probably not going to be the furniture they're going to use in 10 years, you know? So, and, and they get abused and the crap gets beat out of them where they change stages and you no longer need that crib or you don't need that uh, toddler bed. So I just, I'm staying away from it. I'd rather buy it and then give it away or sell it after we're done with it. Um, and also kitchen cabinetry. Uh, while I do have great respect for people who can knock out a, a gorgeous kitchen with just some really beautiful, uh, nice solid wood construction on the doors and everything, I want no part of it. Don't do not want to touch it and uh, we'll never build those. Um, so Shannon, anything on your never build list in your house? Ditto to the kitchen cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> Mainly because I'm just lazy and that's it, just, it's that's work. Nuts. It really is. It, I'm sure the payoff is huge. Even before like I went all hand tools, like when I had a router table with like a rail and style bit set and yeah. panel razor. No, nah, not interested. Right. Just, I, I don't know. It just, nope. <laughs> I'm just nope. not going to do it. Not going to do it. <laughs> what about you, Matt? I would do the kitchen. You wouldn't see so you strike me as someone who would do that. And every, they would be like, you'd have a live, uh, live edge on the countertop. Uh, like all, all the, all the panels would be crotch figure. It would be yeah. amazing. You couldn't buy the kitchen that I would make. No. Well, I mean, if you're going to do it, yeah, you might as well. Right. You know, do it right. So I, I could see the the case for like really doing it up. <laughs> oh yeah. I've got great respect for it though. I think it's I've, a stupid amount of work, but it yeah. really, yeah. Really Especially is. in my little shop. I have problems with molding. Imagine sheet goods in there. <laughs> yeah, that would be something, huh? <laughs> I could do like one box at a time, get it assembled, and where am I, where am I supposed to do with this box? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, the best I could do would probably be refacing my kitchen cabinet. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's respectable. That sounds like a lot of work. Uh, so last question then. Um, do you, are you building toward any sets in your house? You know, uh, and, and that's the problem. I don't really do that. Uh, most of what I build, if I'm going to build a, a dresser or a bed, uh, a lot of times they look totally different. Um, you know, my coffee table definitely does not match the end table. And I've got a, a maple shaker uh, shaker end table with a drawer and a that's next to like an Asian inspired uh, cherry and walnut bed. Um, so I do have the, the closest match I've got are the, the bed that I just made and the chest of drawers I made years ago. They were far enough apart that I kind of hit the same style or at least something in a similar style with the sim, uh, same wood contrast that they actually look intentionally together. But by the time I go to build other things for that room, I might not be able to to do that again. And I don't know what that is. It's just I want to build in different woods. I want to try different things. So most of my house is a hodgepodge. So um, Shannon, have you done anything in your house that you could call like a set yeah. Um, and I wouldn't going forward because I actually think that's the style now, like to mm -hmm. have 12 different dining chairs. Yeah. Uh, that's what I understand anyway. Okay. But, um, in my, um, my lower level, uh, I have a split level, so it's not really a basement, but the, the lower level, we've got, uh, three cabinets down there that are all built to match one another. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's going back a ways, but one of them is like got all of my wife's like wrapping paper and stuff because she wraps presents and loves to do that and everything. Hmm. And we've got another big cabinet that actually has our like fold down deck treadmill inside of it. 
Um, and then another cabinet behind that, just like a chest of drawers that exactly matches the same style. And, uh, that was boring. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. okay though. <laughs> By the time I got the third one, but they, they all match nicely and it kind of adds a nice theme to the room, but you know, I don't know. Don't think I want to do that again. How about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, kind of, I guess the, the sofa table I did is part of a, a set that I kind of have. So I have the TV stand that is part of that set and I did a coffee table in the same style, but that was a gift. So that's not even here. It's part of the set in my own home. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, someday I need to make some matching or close, close enough matching, uh, side tables for that TV room thing. Hmm. That's not bad. And I think there's, there's a, you know, there's a difference between like building matching pieces and kind of building around a theme. Cause like I'm building out my guest room right now. Um, and I've got the, the, I'll have a bed, blanket chest, side tables and a, and a wall mirror. And they're all kind of designed like at the same time, but they're very different from one another. Right. Um, but I think that they'll look cool. They're kind of complimentary, but no, definitely not matchy matchy i feel like as woodworkers you tend to get over that pretty quickly because you you know your, your tastes do change and i guess if you have a significant other who's insisting that if you're going to build these they need to be part of a set you know and but i think with as woodworkers you could just make them out of the same wood and as long as they aren't like on polar opposite ends of the scale stylistically they'll still look good together um, it's yeah. just when you change woods and you got exotics in one piece and one is just like very modern and another looks more traditional that I think is when things can kind of get a little weird, <laughs> but, uh, my house is just, uh, full of different color woods and all types of experimental things. And I, I wonder what it looks like to other people sometimes. Does that, <laughs> is that a good look or does it look like these people cannot make up their minds? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> It's a good um, point. <laughs> yeah, I just that. I wonder what impression that gives to people. But one, they usually know I'm a woodworker, so they probably don't think a whole lot of it because it's obviously these are all handmade pieces. So who cares? Well, all I know is we we sell wood to some very very rich people, <laughs> and you know when we get pictures of it of after the house is built, those houses are kind of the same, and you know mm-hmm. that there's some interior decorator involved somewhere, but they've got a lot of unique type pieces. Yeah, so, every piece right? is hand selected, right? Yeah, so I think that's kind of the the popular way to go, at least for now. Okay. Well, then then we're popular. Great. That's good to know. (laughs) Yay. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it for the feature. Let's get into our email. Uh, First one I have here is from... Shoot. I didn't write the dude's name down. You know what I mean? I probably didn't even take this out of the original document. I'm a jerk. (laughs) Oh, there it is. Chris. Here, let me me do my uh, maintenance here by deleting this ahead of time. Chris Landy. Thanks, man. Appreciate the question. Uh, He says, hi, guys. So after setting up shop in my apartment, that sounds tough right off the bat, uh, working with hand tools, I'm starting to actually build things. My wife has been tolerant with the shavings getting trapes down the hallway. uh, But when it comes to finishing, she's less tolerant. I normally use a mix of boiled linseed oil, uh, mineral spirits and varnish. The smell is obviously pretty heavy in our tight living quarters. Any suggestions for more odor friendly finishes? And he says, uh, water based question mark. Okay, so when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know, it's tough. You're in a confined space and finishes off gas. You know, even the water-based stuff has a tendency to have some dangerous chemicals in it that you don't necessarily want to breathe or subject your neighbors to. Um, I feel like you do need to be a little bit extra cautious with this. So yeah, some water-based finishes will work. You'll have to experiment a little bit. Make sure you've got good ventilation uh, to be able to draw air out of the room. Or if you have a balcony, maybe do your finishing out there. That's going to give you a lot more options. Um, But the good thing about the water-based finish, uh, and just like let's throw a shellac, and and these are brushed on. I'm not talking about spray. Uh, Maybe a brushing shellac and brushing lacquer. Uh, They dry quickly. 
And once they're dry, they don't retain a whole lot of odor. So you got to give them a little bit of time to cure up and then you bring them in the house and they, they might have some smell to them, but it's usually not that bad. It's not noxious. It's not something that's going to knock you on your butt, but you do want that initial curing and drying process to be in an area where there's a lot of ventilation. So your, your lacquer is one that's going to be really, really nasty while it's being applied. <laughs> uh, but once it's dry, shouldn't be too bad. Shellac. I find it a little bit less offensive as you're applying it. Uh, but again, once it's dry, it's not too bad at all. Water-based, to me, seems the least offensive. Uh, but again, once it's dry, not that bad. All right, so you have to have a place or a situation where you're drawing those fumes out, even if they're not as bad as your oil-based stuff. I think you would you got to stay away from the oil-based stuff altogether with the exception of a pure oil or a polymerized oil. So if you go for something like tried-and-true oil, which is polymerized uh, linseed oil, uh, that it smells like oil, you know, but it doesn't smell like boiled linseed oil necessarily. Well, it kind of does, uh, it's, it's, but I find that uh, the, the odor is not nearly as bad. Uh, it does not smell like varnish. All right. And that sort of smell can be noxious and it can last a long time uh, and can be difficult to mask or get rid of unless you have really, really good ventilation. So in general, avoid the oil based stuff altogether if you can, but consider a pure oil or a polymerized oil and that won't be nearly as bad. The good thing about a polymerized oil or, you know, even if you just went like pure tongue oil or something, um, it's you could apply it with your bare hands if you wanted to. It's completely food safe. It's something that isn't going to stink up the entire place, and your neighbors are going to complain. It's not, uh, you know, necessarily going to cause an explosion. And if let's say later you're in a situation where you're out of the apartment and you want to apply a nice film finish to that, it's fairly easy to do. The stuff will be all cured up, and then you could just add a wipe on poly or whatever finish you like uh, when when you're in that situation and can do that and uh, bring the furniture to a little bit more of a durable level. Um, so that would be my recommendation. Uh, I think Matt, I you're up next. I agree. <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. <laughs> That's important. It is. I, you know, I don't envy the apartment, <laughs> the apartment dwellers. All right, so that, I have a couple of questions tough. here that are kind of along the same. I'm here. No, no go ahead. I was talking. I think uh, we had a Skype issue where you couldn't hear me talking. Oh. It's okay, well, though. Then. But go on. No, is this, is this Wood Talk? Is that uh, call the right Hello, show? Matt. Welcome to the show. You're, <laughs> you're on the air. <laughs> this this Mark and Go ahead, caller. Shannon? Me, Mark, and Shannon? <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. All right. This I have a couple questions here coming along the same lines. This first one is from Phil. It says, this may be best for the new mat. Last year, I had some property cleared for a house build. There were a number of large 20 to 30-inch diameter oaks, cedars, and walnut trees. I had our contractors save all the trunks and large limbs. There were probably 20 to 30 logs, each about 15 to 20 feet long, and it looked like they'd be, they would yield decent lumber. Given that they've been sitting for about nine months, is it still worthwhile to work at getting them milled. And he also has a second question here asking about how long to cut them to length. Same kind of question from Steve. He's got five white oak trees that vary in diameter from five, three to five feet in diameter, which is ridiculous, and five feet long each. They've been sitting around for five years. Same kind of thing. Is it worth cutting these things up into lumber? It depends. It depends how long they've been sitting. And in case of um, Phil's question, I think they're still within... Uh, tolerance of being totally fine and being fine for sawing. The issue is the longer they sit around, the more stresses build up inside the logs as they dry, which is why, you know, logs are really hard to dry. They check and they go crazy like that. So the problem you could have, they've been sitting around for too long and that log dried out a lot, is when you go to saw them and you dry those boards, you'll get a lot of like really weird surface checking. That's just all the stress that was in the log that was in the wood there in the grain kind of splitting and coming apart because of all the stress it was under while it was drying. 
Um, I've I've sawn things that have been like on the ground for like 15 years. That's what my farmhouse table is going to be out of, and that has a little bit of surface checking. But I'm just going to fill that out with epoxy. Not too big of a deal, but I guess it depends on the quality level of the wood you're you're looking for. But the flooring that I did, those logs were sitting around for two years before they were milled, and they didn't have any problems at all. So if they've been kind of not in direct sunlight, where they're being like forced to dry really quickly, if they've been kind of shaded, they should be fine for at least two years. Mm-hmm. And white oak itself is really rot resistant as well, so I'm guessing those those are probably still solid as well, as far as um, just solid, not decayed stuff goes. But I say go for it in both cases. Cool. Yeah, I always wonder because you go to those sawmills and you see the log yard, you know, just piles and piles mm-hmm. and piles of logs. And, you know, it's hard to tell if anything has ever moved because, you know, it kind of looks the same every time you go there. (laughs) But, you know, at some point, right, they got to bring them in and saw them or they're just not worth anything anymore, I would guess. Yeah, eventually it's become become firewood because it's all like really good for unless you really want some stuff with cracks in it. A lot of cracks. Especially (laughs) with all the bark and stuff on it because then it's all the sugars and everything the bugs love. That's true too. Yeah, then you got that too. So if you're storing the logs, that's a whole other thing. You know, get them off the ground, keep the bugs off of them. Unless you want that look, you know, unless you want spalted lumber, you know, get them off the ground. <laughs> Good point. <Yeah. laughs> I, I suppose. All right. This uh, next question comes from somebody, from Brian. Um, he says, I recently purchased a Lee Nielsen rabbit block plane. The blade is 0.005 inches wider than the plane body. I'm assuming he didn't measure that and it says that, but instructions <laughs> say that you can grind off material so the blade will be flush on both sides. My question is, have any of you found it necessary to do this? I see the benefit of not needing to reset the iron when switching sides, but so far I haven't needed to use the other side. What say you? I uh, That just goes to show you that you shouldn't read the instructions. Everybody <laughs> knows that you buy a tool and you just start using it. You don't read the instructions. Nope. That's just silly. Um I had no idea that they actually say that in the instructions. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why you would want to do that. Um, so let me explain. The, uh, the, the, the blade on, on a rabbiting plane should be a little bit wider than the sole if you are actually cutting rabbits from like no rabbit to surprise, there's a rabbit. If you're, if you're actually forming the rabbit with the plane, you want that blade to be a little bit proud of the sole. Otherwise, you're going to have a hard time keeping the vertical wall of that rabbit square. It's going to bump the plane out. And you're going to get a sloping wall. I just did a series of videos on the Renaissance Woodworker blog. If you're listening to this in the recent history of when the show is recorded, it should still be on the front page. If not, look for like troubleshooting rabbiting planes or something like that. You want that blade to be a little bit proud of the sole of that, that, that vertical wall of the plane in order to do that. However, rabbiting planes, rabbit block planes specifically, I never use these to actually form a rabbit. I'm usually like cleaning up something like cleaning up a tenon cheek or cleaning up a rabbit that was already cut some other way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not really, made for the heavy removal type stuff, especially the Lee Nielsen one, because it's got that nice tight mouth and it takes like really beautiful shavings and everything. Um, So in that particular instance where that vertical wall of the rabbit is already formed, then you want, you can slide that blade in so that it's flush to the, to the face, to the, the sole rather of the, the, the plane. And you can go in and work right into that inside corner and clean things up. Um, Leaving the blade wider always gives you the ability to kind of bump that out if you need to actually form a rabbit. 
Now, to his real question, have I ever needed to use the other side? Once or twice, there's been a time where because of how the grain's oriented or because of how the, the piece is, I need to kind of come at it from the other side. And at that case, I just quickly turn the knob, slide the blade over, tighten it up again, and I'm back to work. I would not grind it flush. Um, I realize that's what Lee Nielsen says, and there are people there that know an awful lot about hand tools, but I don't think that's a good idea. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say Lee Nielsen's wrong. <laughs> Whoa, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. You know, I uh, when when I do this, I just turn it around and go. Like, I don't even adjust the blade. If I've got to make one or two quick passes because of some yeah. weird grain situation, I'm just like, screw it. If it digs into the, the lower part of the shoulder that's close to the cheek of a tenon or something, who cares? It's not going to hurt anything. Um, I will lay off as I approach the end of the cut, just in case it wants to just pull some grain with it. Um, but ultimately, I'm too lazy to even <laughs> do that little adjustment. <laughs> well, and, and to be honest, I'm the same way, but I never want to recommend that and have somebody tear it up and go, you told me that you could do it. The, yeah. the fact of the matter is, is the reference point on there is the tip of the blade, not the sole. Right. Um, and, and that's great because you don't have to count on that sole being perfectly 90 degrees or rather the sidewall to be perfectly 90 degrees to the sole. The reference point is the blade, not the side of the plane. And keep it that way. You'll end up having fewer mistakes. Yep. Can't trust the soul. Yes. That's what they say. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can. There's a few different things you can do. You could set up a donation, recurring, or just a one-time donation at woodtalkshow.com. You could buy a Woodtalk t-shirt at twwstore.com, and you can leave us a review in iTunes, or you know what? Any place you listen to podcasts or go to learn about new podcasts, uh, any directory typically has ratings, and a five-star rating is always appreciated, uh, just like Wadi90 and Justin Justin Weeble did. Uh, Justin says, Wood Talk, this is an excellent podcast. I started seriously woodworking about a year ago. I just found the Wood Whisperer and then Wood Talk. They uh, speak to all levels of woodworkers and are very entertaining. If you enjoy uh, woodworking, this podcast is for you. Well, thank you for that, Justin. We appreciate it. And uh, anyone in the future who leaves us a nice review, we uh, will mention your name and read one of them on the show. So you get some notoriety for it if that counts for anything. Yeah, and anytime you call us the best podcast or better than the other podcast, it's <laughs> yep. a guaranteed read. Guaranteed. <laughs> All right, Shannon, how we give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. If you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you can contact us at the Dusty Life Podcast. I mean, <laughs> whoa, hey, oh, oops. <laughs> Sorry. I was just tweeting those guys, trying to give them, you know, information for their show. You know, they, they ask <laughs> they ask questions on Twitter and I was answering them for them. Nice. You know, Anyway, well done. You have you have several ways to contact us that are not DustyLifePodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 if you can hear that. You can use our fancy contact form at WoodTalkShow.com slash contact or leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. Or you know what? Just go to this episode and leave a comment there. There's so many ways so to many. comment on all the things we said that are incorrect. It's insane. Um, so go to today's show for the show notes or downloads of today's show or any other shows at woodtalkshow.com. And you know we have our own sites too, but I'm not going to read them this week because I don't feel like it. Take a break, man. You've been working hard. You don't yeah. have to. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. See you. Bye. Bye-bye.